So glad all of you are here today, and uh, especially honored to have, as I mentioned earlier, Pastor Steve and Yvonne Hansen from Portland, Oregon. And I guess we've probably only known the Hansons for maybe the last three or four years, and they planted a great church in Portland, Oregon. And uh, Brother Hansen supervises the Metro Mission Program for the United Pentecostal Church International, of which we are a part of. And so really, even though we're friends, he's coming here to check me out, make sure we're actually planting a good church and doing all of that. And uh, so uh, everybody be on your best behavior and all that good stuff. I didn't tell you why he was coming, just tried to encourage you to be here. So we're glad all of you are here. We have some traveling today and others that uh, are unable to be here for a variety of reasons. But I'm glad you're here. I'm glad Jesus is here. And I'm glad the Hansons are here. And we're going to invite Pastor Hanson to come and greet you and preach the word of God today. Would you make him welcome as he comes? This is fun. This is a lot of memories for me. And I commend you that are here. I commend your pastor, uh, brother and sister Blackburn. I am glad that they are planning a church here in Olathe, Texas, in the Kansas City metro area. I pastor in a metropolitan area, and 30 years ago, my wife and I and our three kids went to Portland, Oregon, and uh, as you may know, everything's politicized, and you see Portland in the news, don't you? That's where I'm from, and that's where my wife grew up, and we have lived there for most of the last 42 years, and uh, we love the people. And it doesn't matter what's going on in our culture, we have the answer in Jesus Christ. We have the answer in Jesus Christ. And I'm glad to see you in the house of God. And I'm really excited to see all you men here today because if the men of our nation and our families will lead, that most of the time the women will follow. It might take some time. But most of the time, they will follow. I have a man in my church, and I won't tell you his name, just in case it gets back. And he said, Pastor, I've done so many crazy things in my life. I think my wife is just waiting to see if I'll really stick with this. And uh, I think he's right. And now that he's stuck with it for about three years, it's slowly coming. And, and his wife comes to church a little bit more because he said, I've tried every religious experience and uh, supernatural experience and drug experience that there could be. And finally, Jesus came and filled him with the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad for God filling him with this Holy Spirit. And oh, what a change it made in their life. So our first service, we had nine people. And I remember when we had 17 people in church, and it was like, yes, we finally have 17 people in church. And that's because we had a visiting missionary and his wife and their two kids. <laughs> and, and we thought, well, how is that going to happen? How are we going to ever go anywhere? And now, well, COVID's made a difference, but, you know, a couple hundred people or close to that, plus, minus, it's been minus lately, Visit, come and worship in the house of God and We've seen over 900 receive the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And that's the goal. And the goal isn't to build a big church, but it's to reach the world. And if we reach our community, the byproduct is building a church. It's like building a business. You get one customer at a time, and they don't all come back, but there's word of mouth, and you begin to be sustainable. And the church is sustainable because God is building this church. So... 
we understand where you're at as church planters in a small church and don't look around and say, well, there's only 17 of us. No, God is working in your midst. And he started with 12 disciples and he rocked the world with 12 disciples. And so I'm the kind of guy that I'm, I'm very upfront. I worked in the construction industry for years as, and many times as a foreman. And you have a blueprint that you look at before you even start the job. And you say, okay, this is the desired end result. And then you make plans to get to the desired end result. And so I'll tell you right up front what I'm preaching and why I'm preaching what I'm preaching so you're not just surprised at the end and say, oh, is that what we're here for? And I know your pastor well enough to know he's very well organized, and I'm so excited about who's your one so that you know that you're reaching out to the... It's very methodical what we do for Christ. It's not random. It's not this, oh, all of a sudden God showed up and shocked us. No, we worked with him. We submit our life to him, and he lifts us up and puts us where we need to be. So my title is God's Exchange Program. And what I want to talk to us about today is what God can give us for what we give him. But you've got to give it to him. You and I have to give him something that he will exchange for the something that he has. We're not beggars on the roadside saying, hey, I need $5, need $5. But we're coming to God and saying, here's what I have to give to you. And he's going to say, great, here's what I'm going to give to you instead. So at the end, just so you can meet with expectation, Just so you know, and I know that it's COVID time, I have a mask here. And I'm going to put this mask on at the close of service. And I don't know exactly how you do this. So pastor told me uh, some of you feel comfortable. Some of you, you know, we want to fist bump. Some of you, you don't want to be in six miles of me. But you're here today because there's tall enough ceilings. And uh, I know that there's a little restriction. But if you decide you want to come and pray at the altar, I will have a mask on. Whether or not you have that mask on, that's your comfort level. So if I'm praying for you, if you, if you want to be prayed for, I'll lay my hand on your shoulder and pray for you, and uh, I'll have a mask on, so I'll be protecting you a little bit, and, uh, and uh, you can protect yourself if you desire that. Because what we're going to ask you to do at the end of service is to either come and thank God for what He has given you in exchange for what you have given Him, or you can come at the end of service and instead of just thanking God for what he has given you and you can activate God's God's program by saying okay God you know what I need but here it is God and you can have what I have so you're activating that exchange program anybody ever got a debit card in the mail and you had to activate it and you, you didn't even realize you got it because you left it in the lockbox, you know, for a week and a half. You're just not checking the mail. And you go to use your, and it's not working because it's expired. And you look at, oh, it expired at the end of last month. I've got to go home. I've got to open the mail. And then I've got to call that 1888 number or whatever to activate my debit card. And the money's already in the bank. And it's been there the whole time. You just need to activate it. That's what we're going to do today. 
And if you don't have something you need from God that you can say, God, here's my faith, here's my prayer request, here's the surrender of what you've been asking me to give so that you can give me something else in exchange, we can come and celebrate what God has given to us. So it's kind of going to be a mixed bag. And whatever we do, it's going to be an atmosphere, I pray and hope, by the help of the Holy Ghost and Him helping me to preach His Word, that it will be an anticipation and a positive thing. So you understand the journey we're on today? That makes sense to you? So we know where we're going, and I'm going to read now. We are from Isaiah chapter number 60 and verse number 16. Isaiah 60 and verse number 16 This is the prophet, and the prophet is speaking on behalf of God to the children of Israel. He says, you shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and milk of the breast of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of, everybody say instead of, instead of. Aren't there some things in life that instead of this, you'd like this? You know, instead of a plain mocha, you want a peppermint mocha? Instead of just your average coffee, you want a foo-foo coffee or something like that? Instead of a ragged pair of clothes, you want something nicer? He says, instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. This is God talking. Instead of wood, bronze, and instead of stones, iron. I will also make your officers peace and your magistrates righteousness. Thank you for standing in honor to the word of God, and you may be seated. So we're reading the words of God to Isaiah that he is in turn giving to the children of Israel, which are God's people. So these are God's people that have already been redeemed, already come out of Egypt hundreds of years ago. They are in the promised land, and he's still saying, hey, there's some things that you have that aren't near as valuable as the things that I want to give to you. And we all know that there are exchanges to be made in life. We exchange a smile, hopefully in turn, for a smile. We exchange our $5.45 for our Vente Mocha at Starbucks. We exchange a, a few dollars, $2 and something a gallon for gas so that we can get on down the road. And we make exchanges every month uh, with the money that we make for food, shelter, clothing, and transportation. That's just a way of life. We expect something in return. At times, we're disappointed in the value that we get. And we hope we can take it back. And sometimes we say, well, I bought it. I drive it. I'm going to have to drive it for a while. Years ago, my wife and I, we, the gas crunch came. And gas went to 85 cents a gallon. And so I decided this Impala that I was driving was a gas hog. There's no way I was going to drive a gas hog. I was going to get something with better mileage. And so for better mileage, what I decided I was going to do is I was going to buy a little Datsun 510. So I bought this little Datsun 510, and I will tell you this, that uh, I was not happy with the Datsun 510 that I bought. I thought, well, I, this is smart. It's a little car. It's going to get good fuel economy. But somebody had messed with it, and it was a little tuner car, and he put double, uh, dual points in and all this stuff. Well, it never got as good a mileage as my Impala. In fact, 
I bought it because, hey, it's going to get good mileage. My Impala was a nice blue Impala with a white top. This car was orange and gold and red. But it was going to get me better fuel economy. And eventually, uh, the overhead cam thing I didn't understand, and, and the engine blew on me. But, but it made a good smoke screen as you were driving down the road, and all of a sudden, and it, it covered the TriMet bus, or the public transportation bus behind me when I was on the way to work every morning. And so I said, I'll never buy another Nissan or Datsun. Now, Datsun became Nissan, and I lied because I do have a an Infinity, which is a Nissan product. But uh, I was not happy with what I exchanged. I exchanged an Impala for a Datsun, and I wasn't happy with the exchange. And so it made me think later, I'll never get another one of them. You and I do that not just with products, but we have exchanged uh, some things in life. We have had attitudes and actions and activities that we've been involved in that sometimes later said, whoop, which wouldn't have done that. It's like, you know, you want to crab the words back into your mouth. Or you want to say, I wish last night didn't exist. And thank God when I was growing up, there wasn't a TikTok and there wasn't a, a, all of the phones that everybody was videoing with. But now it's instantly on the web or, or everybody knows it's our friends because it's now a visual that's gone out and we may have regrets. You may have gone to work for an employer and you wish you never went to work for the employer or you chose a line, a trade or a line of work and you said, I want something better. And it takes effort to get that something better. You just don't walk out of 7-Eleven and say, hey, I'm an electrician today. No, it's a process that we go through, and you exchange your time and your energy, and you go to training, and you work for an employer, and one day you'll be a journeyman electrician, hopefully, over time. Oh, God, help us to take that into consideration when we're engaged with God. There's some things that God takes us instantly from lost to save, but we're on a journey of an exchange program. And wherever you are at in your relationship with Jesus Christ, there's somewhere else to go. And he has something better for you and I. The stock exchange is a place where an individual can invest money and receive a stock in exchange. So that stock represents a portion of the value of a corporation. And if the corporation is managed properly, hopefully the stock goes up. If it's not, it may go down. If the product or the service offered by the corporation has rising value, then theoretically the stock has rising value. And if the economy is strong, the stock is strong. But it doesn't always work that way. There's a place in the city where I live called Powell's Books, and it declares themselves to be the largest used book dealer in America, and it's, it's huge. It's, uh, I think it's six stories tall. I don't know how many hundred thousand square feet of used books mostly there are there, and I've noticed that the price of used books is always less than that of used new books, unless they're old enough and out of print and I went online the other day, and I was looking for a particular book, and I happened to know it cost $12.95 new, but they don't have it anymore. And there was one for $930. And I said, I'm not going to exchange my $930 for that. And then I noticed somewhere somebody had put it online, and it was available on ebooks for, you know, like $295. And so I had to ex decide, do I want to exchange $930 for print or do I want to give $295 for something that's digital that I can read on my iPad? 
I've also noticed they have book buyers there, and people bring in stacks of books, and they can trade them in, and they get value that they can go spend in the store. But by the time the book ends back up on the shelf, they're asking more for the book than what they gave the original seller to the, uh, of the book. Have you ever felt like life's that way? It's like you didn't get quite as much as you put in. Relationships can be that way. Jobs can be that way. Property, uh, everything has value, but sometimes we feel like we put more in than what we get out. I promise you that God will always give you something of greater value than what you have. And whatever you give to him, he has something of greater value. Look at it. He says, you give me wood and I'll give you bronze. Which one is of greater value? Everything that we read about is God giving something of greater value. So God always adds value to the life of a man or woman, and we're always worth more, not less, when he is finished with us. I can witness that I, there are people that have been in our church for 29 years, and I have watched them as God has changed their life. I've watched people from every walk of life, every kind of addiction that you can imagine, every place of poverty that you can think of, every point of brokenness emotionally, physically, spiritual. And I look across the congregation on an average Sunday, and, and my heart just leaps because I see what they were, now, when somebody else comes in with a problem, I see what they can be. Have you ever watched somebody remodel or, or restore a car? Or, or maybe they had a fixer-up house, and, and you saw it in the neighborhood, and it was trashed, and, and uh, it was a crack house, or it was a meth house, or it was just abandoned. And then you drive by after they're done working on it, and wow, it's, it's all straight, and it's got new windows, and it's painted, and the, and the lawn looks great. And, and, and then they flip the house, flip this house, and you hope you make money. The whole idea is to add value. God always adds value. God reached into the circumstances of the Hebrew children. How many of you have ever read or watched the story of the Exodus, the children of Israel leaving Egypt and going out toward the promised land? So a few of you have, and, and it's about Moses leading God's children out. And when God found the, the Israelites, they were Hebrews at that time, they were in fear, slavery, harshness, hopelessness, oppression. They had broken bodies. There was death of their children. They had hard labor and meager return for them. And they had built treasure cities of Python and Ramses. And if you go look in, in history, you'll find out they were beautiful cities. They built the pyramids of Egypt that now people use as tourist attractions. And the Hebrews, though, listened to the word of God through Moses, and they left what they knew of Egypt, and they began to go toward what God had for them. It was easy to leave slavery, but it's harder to reach the promised land. It's like you and I decide, well, I don't want what I have, but to get what I want, now that takes a lot of work. There's a lot of people that have associate's degrees that intended on having bachelor's degrees, and there's people that have bachelor's degrees that wanted master's or doctorates. There's a lot of people that have dropped out of apprenticeship programs or quit the job because they just couldn't make the grade because they decided there's just too much to give for the value. And so God called the children of Israel, and he said, oh, it's an easy decision to say, yeah, I want to leave slavery. It's an easy decision to say, I don't want to be addicted. 
I don't want to have fear. I don't want to have anger. I don't want to be controlled by negative emotions in my life. I want God to straighten out my life. And we begin that step. And I am so thankful for repentance. I baptized, we baptized a guy last Tuesday night, 73 years old. He called the church the next day, and I happened to be standing by the phone talking to my secretary, and he says, oh, who's this? And I said, it's Pastor Hanson. Oh, this is Robert. I want to thank you and the evangelist Chris Green. He preached the socks off me the other night. And ever since I've been baptized, I feel better than I have ever felt in my life. So a 73-year-old man who has wasted his life on his own, him, his own self is now feeling better than he ever has in his life. But I know this is Robert has some distance to go yet. God's filled him with the Holy Spirit. He's been baptized, but God has even greater things for him. But there's always a price to pay. God instead gave the children of Israel freedom, possessions, sweet food and meat to eat, and more than enough to each appeared each day in the form of manna. And he separated them from their enemies. And he gave them protection in the wilderness. There was that pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. So in that desert realm, they had heat and they had shade. But God's plan was not to leave them in the wilderness, but to take them to the promised land. And they would have vineyards that they hadn't planted and cities that they hadn't built and houses that they hadn't built. Think about it. They've been building all these houses and treasure cities for the Egyptians, and they were living in huts. And God was saying, oh, I want to exchange something in your life. You're not going to live in a hut. You're going to live in a house that you didn't build. You're not going to just live on leeks and onions that you can plant in the dirt of your backyard, but there's going to be vineyards that you didn't plant. And remember, the children of Israel, when the spies came out, they were carrying one cluster of grapes between two guys. I don't know what the size of the grapes were. Try to fit that in. Or how many grapes there were on a cluster. But God planned to give them more than what they had. And I don't know how it is for you, but when I look at what Jesus promises me, sometimes I think, oh, my goodness, can that ever be? Can I ever have that? Can I ever get that? That's the beautiful thing about sharing with each other your needs, praying for them, and then hearing that God supplies those needs. And I could go down a list with you, and so could your pastor, of people that have been delivered from crack, cocaine, and meth, and alcohol, and from abusive lifestyles, and those that have been healed from the abuses that they have suffered, and those that even were, I have a guy in my church, and I don't know why I feel like mentioning this, when he came back to the Lord after years of walking away from God, he couldn't think straight. He couldn't work a job. He was living in subsidized housing. He was barely having enough food to eat. He had food stamps and subsidized housing. And whatever he could scrounge together, there were four of them living in the little two-bedroom apartment, and all, all the others were contributing just so he could survive. Now, we're three years into the future. His mind is healed. He can read. He can write. He's got, and he couldn't even do that because his mind had gotten so messed up because he'd walked away from God and decided he was going to give up God's exchange program and get all he could get by himself. But now he's got the best job that he's ever had in his life. He just bought a brand new home to, uh, oh, about a year ago. And I'm not preaching get rich, but I'm talking about restoration. And I watched him as he brought a friend that 
led him to Christ 30 years ago but backslid and went back into drugs and he came to church two weeks ago and he prayed through to freshness in the Holy Ghost just two weeks ago and I'm waiting for God to restore Rick just like he did Dwayne because God, he says, hey, you're there and I want to take you here. Does anybody want something from God today? Do you need something from God? Just go ahead and admit it, and I'm not going to ask you to shout it out loud, but at the end of the remarks that we have, I believe that that you have prayed. We have prayed. We've made an appointment with God. God knows our time frame, and he respects the fact that we gathered together and worshiped him and said, please come with your presence into this place, and he's going to answer those things. And you may have said, but I can't afford that. No, but God can give you that. You can't buy peace. You can't buy happiness. You can't buy joy. You can't buy freedom from addiction. But, oh, Jesus Christ is ready to give it to you. Listen to the description that God gives of where he found the Hebrew people in Deuteronomy 32 and 9. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the place of his inheritance. So I want us to get this. It's God's inheritance isn't money. It's not the biggest plot of land in Olathe. It's not the nicest office building in downtown Kansas City. It's not the biggest investment account that he can get his hands on. His inheritance is you and me. So that's what he's going to invest in is you and me because that's his inheritance. People are the most important commodity that there is, and they're really not commodities. So your investment in people is God's investment in people. So he said, you're my portion. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land and in a wasteland, a howling wilderness. He encircled him. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye, as an eagle stirs up his nest, hovers over its young, spreading out its wings, taking them up, carrying them on its wings. So the Lord alone led him, and there was no foreign God with him. So Moses knew where God had found them, but Moses also knew where God was taking them. We all know where God found us. But it's hard to see that he can get us where he wants to take us. It's hard to see sometimes when you're depressed that God can fill your heart with joy. It's hard to see when there's confusion over decisions that you've got to make and what's happening in your life that God can give you clear thinking. But that's one of the promises of God. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and of a sound mind or clear thinking. That's what he gives us through the Holy Ghost. It's amazing when you see the Holy Ghost, things that were fuzzy, all of a sudden it just makes sense that you can get it. So I ask you, where did God find you? Where are you at today and where does God want to take you? Obviously, we're all on the continuum somewhere. We're in the journey from lost to save, from, from desperate and on our own to God tracking our path. So God saw them when they were in a difficult place. So verse number 8 in chapter number 3 of Exodus says, So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and a large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites and the whateverites. But he said, what I did is I found them in slavery 
and under oppression and somebody else controlling their destiny. And now I have plans for a great destiny in the future. And I ask this, uh, has God taken care of Israel? Just look at the news recently, right? Now, again, in Jerusalem is our embassy. And now there's a peace accord, the Abrahamic peace accord. And we know that's a prophetic fulfillment that tells us we're closer to the edge of Jesus coming again. Here you have a a, a few million slaves are still a nation today. And we know they lost their nationhood and regained it again in 1948. And they've been denied their existence or validation of their existence till even recently. But we see that somehow God brings it about. And in your life and in my life, sometimes we feel like it's off track and we're never going to get there. But you're working with God. You're not working with a banker or a contractor or or a salesman. You're working with God who always keeps his promises. He cannot lie. It's not just that he doesn't, but he cannot lie. And after citing a list of heroes of faith that enjoyed the exchange program of the Old Testament, the writer to the persecuted first century church Christians says this in Hebrews 11. And all these, these heroes of faith, if you've read first, our Hebrews chapter number 11, and we're going to refer to them, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So what I want to tell you is that God has something better for you and I than the Old Testament of heroes of faith. And I just want to list a few of those heroes of faith and just give you a a short figure of what one of those heroes of faith was Enoch. Anybody know what happened to Enoch? Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. He translated him. He did not see death. Boom. He was dead. God said, here, I'll exchange you life on earth for life in the heavenlies, and you don't even have to die. That's why one of the reasons why Enoch was, well, Enoch was translated is what we call. Another one of them is Noah. Noah received something better than anybody else on earth that time. God destroyed the whole earth. But because Noah was a righteous man, he found grace, and God said, I'm going to save you and your family. you got to work at it. And so for 125 years, they worked at building the boat, and God did save them. But is your life worth it? Yeah, his life was worth it. And he saved the whole of mankind by that. Another one was Sarah. What was Sarah given? She was given a child when she was 75 years old. Now, some people might not think that's a great idea, but she's a, she was barren. And Abraham wasn't going to have any seed, but God gave Abraham and Sarah this child. And and we're reading in the New Testament, God has something better for you. Something bigger for you. Another character is Rahab. Rahab is the harlot. Remember when the the spies went into the uh, promised land the second time and they went to check out the city and they're there in Jericho and she hides them and then she hides them on the roof under under the roofing materials and when the soldiers come, she said, oh, they're gone and she protects them. She said, just promise me when you come to take the land, you'll save my life. And so the whole of Jericho is destroyed, and all of the walls fall down flat, which, as much as I can read, they sunk into the ground flat, and the whole of the nation was, or the whole of the city was destroyed, but that one part of the wall with the scarlet cord hanging out of it was spared. 
and that was Rahab's house, and whoever was with her. Rahab was a harlot. Guess what? God says, I got something better than you. When destruction comes to everybody else, I bring salvation to you. And this is the amazing thing. Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's amazing. He said, I can take you from prostitution to being one in the lineage of Jesus Christ. In other words, it doesn't matter how bad it is. God can change your life. And he says, I got something better for you. So I can't put a cap on that. You can't put a cap on that. And I'm not just preaching to you my imagination, and I could stand here for hours and give you illustration after illustration of people that God found them in that waste-telling wilderness. God found them in bitterness and anger and abuse and psychological uh, diseases and physical uh, deprivation, and Jesus has changed their lives. But here we have examples, and he says, there's something better for you. Everybody say something better. Something better. That's God's exchange program. He says, but all I've got is a broken life. That's what he wants is your broken life. You look at the ministry of Jesus. What did he specialize in? The common people heard him gladly, and they brought the sick and the lame and the blind and the deaf and the dead to him. And he raised the dead to life, and the lame lipped like the the deer, and the blind could see again. You see, the character and the abilities of God do not change. Therefore, the God that came in flesh continued his exchange program. And at the launch of his ministry, Jesus stepped forward in the synagogue, and it's recorded, he read out of Isaiah chapter number 61. Now we started our sermon today out of Isaiah chapter number 60. And it says, you know, I have an exchange program. Now in 61, Jesus has just finished the temptation in the wilderness, and he steps into the synagogue, and they give him a book to read. Now, it's not like us picking up our iPad and we have the whole Bible there in 17 translations. When they go to the synagogue, a book for to read, it was a hand-copied book. And they were precious. And, and, And there'd only be a few chapters maybe in a book or one prophet in a book. They wouldn't give him the whole Bible. And it just so happens when they gave him the book, it was the book of the prophet Isaiah. Imagine that. And he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord to, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give unto them what? Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. You see God's exchange program? He said, I came to exchange some things. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And I want to pause right there. He said, I want to take unstable people and make them stable. I want to take people whose lives were filled with heaviness and mourning and ashes. They were ash heaps, and I'm going to make them wonderful, and they're going to be like trees of righteousness, like 
Psalm says, that brings forth its fruit in its season. It's planted by the rivers of living water. So for you and I, God says, I don't care how unstable you are. I don't care where I found you. I'm going to take you from here to here and here to here. And once you got wood, I'm going to give you bronze. And you say, well, all now all I have is bronze. Well, don't worry. I have some silver. And then you say, well, now I have silver. Don't worry. I have gold. God is in the process of changing you and I. The Bible says from glory to glory, bringing us from strength to strength and from faith to faith. And so once we have faith for one thing, he takes us to a different dimension and then he says, oh, you're not done yet and I'm not done with you yet. Isn't that wonderful to know that God is not done with us? So where we are at today is not where we're going to stay. He has an exchange program and verse 4 says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins and they shall raise up form of desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. In other words, he says, I'm going to change some people that are going to change the world. And so what Jesus came to do for you and I and through you and I and to you and I is change us and exchange some things in our life so we can impact those around us. And I've watched that happen again and again and again. And I think today of the man that is preaching our first service right about now, probably getting up to preach right about now. And when he came to church, he was a gang bang, former gangbanger. He was still addicted to alcohol and some drugs. But when he came, I began to teach him Bible studies, and I'd sit on their, their living room floor. And uh, she'd, uh, uh, I finally had to tell my wife not to feed me dinner on Thursday night because Laura would feed me dinner again, good, real, authentic Mexican food. You know, she's tapping out the tortillas and all that kind of stuff. I teach him, uh, I teach him a Bible study, and today he is preaching the gospel and his children his daughters teaching a home bible study his children all baptized in Jesus name all have the Holy Ghost and when they came to the Lord their marriage was at the break she was ready to leave him she said I've had enough I can't handle this anymore and I remember he was a gangbanger he had his grandma he tells me had tats on top of tats he didn't know anything else he doesn't know who his dad is she doesn't know who her dad is they had messed up lives they were just ruins but today and many times over they have taught people Bible studies and baptized him in Jesus name he was the one that baptized Robert last Tuesday night the 73 year old man he's baptizing him he's praying him through to the Holy Ghost. He said, you were a wreck, now you're right, and you're helping others that are wrecks become right. So as you stand with me, and I got about five minutes left, so don't get your hope up too soon. I'm almost done. I just want us to change position and realize I, I want you to think about this. And if you don't want to come forward, you don't have to, but I'd encourage you. I'll put my mask on in just a minute. Sorry, it says Portland Pentecostals, not Cross Church, but we're going to pray. We're going to bring what we have to him. And if it's just a stick of wood, we can say, well, God, the preacher preached it, and your word said it. This is all I have. And I might try not trade right from wood to gold, but I can go to bronze today. I can make a shift here. I can make a change because 
This is part of what coming to the house of God is about, is each time we grow in him. Each time we become more intimate with him, each time we take another step and then we're bringing others along with us on their steps and to the right direction. So the list of what Jesus gave in exchange continued for his whole ministry. And God has the greatest exchange program on earth. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse number 46, Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and he sells all that he has and he buys that field. Why? Because he knows what's hidden in the field. And the parable of the pearl of great price, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. So my message to us today is what we found here in Jesus Christ is worth more than anything else. It's worth more than anything else. First, I I was sitting across coffee the other day with a young man. He's 25 years old. He's just finished. He got his structural engineering degree, got a great job as a superintendent with a good construction company and and just finished remodeling a house. He, he's on the right track for a 25-year-old. He's doing really good. He said, do you know no other way of living makes sense but living for Jesus? He said, even if there was an eternity, this is the best life that there is because there's no confusion. There's clear lines. There's boundaries. There's borders. There's morality. We know how to treat each other. But he said, but then there's eternity. How wonderful to know that. Is that here we are in the presence of God, having heard his word and felt his spirit confirm his word. And he said, what do you have in your hand? You know, most guys don't become millionaires or billionaires overnight. They start trading stock or flip a house or two, and then all of a sudden it's a fourplex, and then it's an apartment complex, and then, you know, these guys that have lots of property, they started with one. And people that you see around you that are spiritually mature, it was one commitment at a time. God worked you over and said, okay, you need to give up your anger. God, I like my anger. It makes me feel powerful. Being out of control makes me feel in control. God's saying, no, if you'll give up your anger, I'll give you peace instead of your anger. And then you won't feel like you need to control because you know that I'm in control. And as long as I'm in control, nothing else really matters because I've got an exchange program from you and I'm taking you somewhere and sometimes all I can see and all you can see is just that little window of what's going on now and we forget as pastor said what happened last Sunday we can even forget where God's brought us from if we just do a little inventory and say well yeah, I've come a long ways take six months at a time in your life and see where you come in Jesus Instead of just one week. And God says, okay. 
Bring me your bronze. Bring me your silver. See, you can bring brokenness and get wholeness. You can bring sickness and get health, heaviness, and bring praise. You can have sorrow, and He will give you joy. You can bring your doubts to Him, and He can fill you with faith. You can bring questions and walk away with answers, and they were difficult questions. You can bring your spiritual poverty, and He'll give you spiritual wealth. You can bring Him nothing but yourself and he can you can leave with everything you can bring death and he'll give life you can bring the worst he'll give you the best you can bring your best and he will give you life's best you can bring disease and he will grant you a wholeness you can bring sin and he'll bring salvation you can bring loss and he'll give you gain you can bring anger he'll give forgiveness you bring turmoil and he'll bring peace you can bring him the end and He can give you a new beginning. I think you get the idea. Whatever you bring to Him that's negative, He's going to give you a positive. So I conclude with the Scripture that we started with in Isaiah 60. Instead of. Everybody say instead of. Instead of. All I'm asking and all I believe the Holy Ghost is asking you and I to do is come and say, well, God, instead of. Whatever you'll give me instead of this, I'll take. And you may have an idea of what he'll give you, but it's always better than what you think that, that he can give you. Remember when you received the Holy Ghost and somebody had tried to explain to you what it's like? And you're going, wow. I've had people say all kinds of things better than the best high I've ever had. I've never felt this much euphoria. I've never somehow so free, so liberated. All kinds of descriptions. But we came expecting a relief and He gave us newness of life. So it's time to rejoice at what God has promised. It's time to activate God's exchange program, or if you just want to come and say, boy, God, I see what you've given me, and I feel great in my relationship with you today, I'm just going to come praise you. So as they begin to continue to pray, play or sing, I open up this altar, I'll put my mask on so you don't have to be afraid of me. He's the healer of all of our diseases, and we'll just come worship Jesus. Come, bring it to Jesus. Say, here's my brokenness, God. Here's my broken family, but you can give me wholeness in my family. Here's my fear. But God, you can t I don't know what you're going to give me, but I know it's better. Say, reach out your hand. Open your heart to him. Jesus, this is what I am giving to you. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love. That's beautiful. Thank you for reaching out. That's a beautiful song. I'm going to give it to you, God. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself
that Old Testament process of making sacrifices and honoring God because he is the one who has given the fruit of the vine. He says, I I give it, I have poured it out as a drink offering. I have given God everything that, that I have. I've given him everything that I am, everything I have just poured it out. He says, I'm getting ready to depart. He says, I'm getting ready to be martyred. 
for the cause of Jesus Christ, but it's all worth it because I've finished my course, I've kept the faith, and henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord in that day shall give me and to all who love His appearing. You can never outgive God. No matter how little or how small anything you give Him, He's going to return it with much greater. God's exchange program. Aren't you glad that when it comes to a relationship with Jesus Christ, this is the only thing in life. Serving Him is the only thing in life that you can do where you give up and you win. That you can surrender and you win. That you can give up what you want to do and give up your desires and you can give up who you think you are or what you want to be and you actually win by giving up. You can't do that in any game. You can't do that in sports. You can't do that on the job where you just give up and win. Only with Jesus Christ. And what most people try to do is if you're in an exchange process with them and you give them something, they're going to give you this pen. This is an awesome pen. They're going to give you something back that they think is worth less than that pen because they're trying to get one up on you. I've seen that in shows and people, they'll barter and give something away and you end up giving away something valuable and now you got this rock that somebody told me. Look at this, oh, this rock. Is Well, with Jesus Christ, you can just come and give Him your brokenness. You can come give Him all the, the bad things in your life. As He read, He gives you beauty for ashes. The joy, or the oil of joy for, for all of your mourning. He gives you much better than you give Him. God, I don't have much. It's just this little bit. And you walk away pocket full of cash when you didn't even have any because he always gives you back much better and much greater than anything you give him why don't you lift your hands one more time and would you just love the lord would you thank him together for what he's done and for who he is jesus we love you i thank you lord that we can give everything to you and you give us back eternal life you give us back joy in this life you give us peace Lord, you give us everything that we need to make it in this life and, and all of the, be- the benefits of the life that is beyond the life of eternity with you. What is man that thou art mindful of him, Lord, or the, that you visited him, you crowned him with glory, you made him a little lower than the angels, the psalmist said, Lord, why would you think so highly of us? But you do, Lord, and you take our inadequacies and you take our flaws and you take our failures and you give us back far beyond anything we can comprehend, a life with you. Not just an eternity with you, but a life here, a life with you where we can experience righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. God, you're great. You're great. Anybody thankful for the presence of the Lord you feel today? Why don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise?